Today's episode of The Dad Chronicle is brought to you by you. I'm excited to announce that we have launched a brand new Patreon over at patreon.com slash alexalbisu. Patreon is a great way to support a creator like myself and the work that we're doing, but also get rewarded at the same time. When you head over to patreon.com slash alexalbisu, you'll see that there are a bunch of different reward levels varying from a dollar a month up to even a hundred dollars a month, but they all come with exclusive Dad Chronicle rewards. So some of them have exclusive Dad Chronicle merch such as t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, etc. So head over to patreon.com slash alexalbisu, find a reward amount that works well for you. That monthly patronage towards this project goes a long way to mitigate the operational costs. And again, thank you so much to everybody who has signed up so far. It really makes a difference. Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 113. On today's episode of The Dad Chronicle, I speak with fellow podcaster and father, Stephen Adams. Stephen has a heck of a story dealing with postpartum depression, as well as some great ways that he's instilling some of the values that he was raised with to his son, Sam. First, we talk about the struggles of social distancing and how he's trying to keep some sense of normalcy for his son. I think that's the thing I miss. I'm missing for him. Like he doesn't know, but I know. And I kind of I wish that he had the opportunity to be like that. We discussed the phenomenon known as dad guilt. You have dad guilt for not playing when your kid wants you to play. And then there's dad guilt for like, I haven't had 10 minutes to myself for like days. And I'm going to go take some. Steven shares what he did when his son was born that he constantly refers back to when he's struggling as a parent. I'm having a real struggle bus day. I'll be like, no, this is this is what I wanted. This mm. is what it was for. We talk about the chaos that occurred around Sam's birth and how Steven dealt with Alex, it. Alex, I don't I didn't cry for a week. Like, you know, when you, you hear people yes. have their kid, they're like, oh, I was a mess. I couldn't hold it together. All this stuff like I didn't have time to have that level of emotion. We learn about his wife's battle with postpartum depression. It all started to click like it all started to come out like. Oh, snap. That was postpartum depression you were dealing with. And it led into depression outside of that. Like it, it was like a trigger that started this snowball of of new things that we'd always been able to. I guess she'd always been able to bury um, right. or handle in her own way. And like as we went on, it's like, oh, man. This is this is actually bigger. And that was just a component of it. And finally, we talk about how Stephen is letting Sam blossom into his own person. Because there's so many times I'm like, I want Sam. I want to put Sam on four wheelers. I want to get Sam out in the country. I want to get Sam playing on dirt. And, you know, Sam's Sam's more like me than I, I'm admitting that he is like he's just really into Nintendo games. He kind of likes inside stuff. Here's my conversation with Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Happy to have you here. We've been uh, chatting back and forth for a little bit now over social media, getting to know you and you're a fellow podcaster. Always happy to have fellow podcasters and dads on this show, of course. So for the folks out there who may not know who you are, why don't you take just a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. I'm I'm Stephen Adams. I'm a podcaster, as Alex just said, uh, for Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Uh, comedy show and staring at goats a show all about COVID-19 that I would love to never have to do again uh, <laughs> but I continue to have to do it <laughs> but, but yeah that's uh that's me in a nutshell um I'm just uh in a I'm a software developer by day podcaster by night right on yeah and you are also a dad to uh one son named Sam right yes indeed he's mine yep and uh <laughs> yeah and your and your wife how long have you been married Oh, man, we've been married for 10 years, uh, wow. 10 years this year in May. So, yeah, cross that major milestone. But we've been we've been together since 2003. So 17 years of wow. uh, of knowing each other. Yeah, you have you have a year on Deanna and me. We, we nice. met each other in 2004. So that's that's really cool. Very awesome. Were you guys high school high school sweethearts, or did yeah. you meet later than that? Yeah, we were high school sweethearts, but we ended up meeting uh, because we were neighbors. So we didn't end up going to the same high school, but you know we were just a year apart. She went to a Catholic school, and I went to the public school. 
like the bum I am. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> public school is fine. Everybody, public schools are great. So they, uh, so we ended up dating and stuff because we were neighbors and, you know, persisted through long distance college relationships. And here we are, you know, a baby girl and a, and a son on the way. It's kind of nuts. So uh, how about you guys? How'd you guys meet? Yeah, we were, we were, we were high school sweethearts met my senior year, her junior year. And it's funny, like you mentioned the long distance thing. We, we ended up doing the same thing through college. Um, People go, long distance doesn't work. And I can assure you with enough effort and uh, late night, 9 p.m. free minutes, you can make it work. Dude, Uh, oh, my God. 9 p.m. free minutes. I forgot that was a thing. Because (laughs) every night at about 901, one of our phones would ring. It'd be either me calling her or her calling me. And that's that's how you maintain a relationship. Pro tip. I had I had AT and T. She had Verizon, so we weren't really allowed to call each other. It was very much a Romeo and Juliet situation, you know, with the <laughs> cell phone carriers. You know, now it's not a problem. It's so oh, funny. that's great. It's so funny. Well, uh, so let's talk about your experience as a dad. So we very quickly introduced Sam to the audience. Why don't you talk a little bit about Sam? Yeah. So Sam's Sam's five. We've had we've had him for five years. He is a little ball of energy. Uh, I, I've often told my parents, I'm like, you lied to me somewhere because you always tell me I was like this really good angel kid. And it's like, Sam's a good, a good, good, good kid. Just high energy. Like it's always singing, always talking, always needs your attention, always interrupting. Um, and I'm like, this is, this is what I did to you. And you're just acting like, <laughs> you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't make you crazy. Cause my mom's always like, no, you were wonderful. I'm like, my dad, you, you know, you were just not telling me. Um, what this was like, but no, he's, he's a little ball of fire, um, dresses up all the time, really into video games, uh, probably, probably more than he should be at his age. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just great. We, we play all the time. We get into a lot of stuff. It's, it's weird talking about him in, in this context with the, the quarantine COVID-19 stuff going on. Cause I don't see him like with his friends as much. Mm. Um, so I'm definitely playing like dad and friend quite a bit around the house. Um, but it's, uh, but nah, he's, he's amazing, man. He's a cool kid. That's cool. Yeah. This quarantine thing has been really tough. I was just upstairs playing with Aria, you know, it's the same thing. You're, you're trying to give her the same sort of, uh, same sort of attention that perhaps a friend would, but there's also a balance because you also have to be their parent. And like, when they do something bad, you have to reprimand and like act that parent role. So how are you, I'm curious to hear this, like how are you balancing that parent friend thing in this sort of situation? Probably poor, more poorly than I should be. I mean, it's, I think one of the most heartbreaking things about being in, in this position of having like a kindergartner uh, at this time is knowing that when I was five, it was, I was outside with other kids running around in the woods uh, you know, getting into trouble parent free. And I think that's one of the things that I talk to my wife about a lot. I'm like, I want him to be in a position to do stuff that he can do without a parent over his shoulder, uh, like available. And, and that's, I think that's the thing I miss. I'm missing for him. Like he doesn't know, but I know. And I kind of, I wish that he had the opportunity to be, to be like that. But as far as, as far as balance, man, I'll run around the yard. Uh, I probably can give him like five or 10 minutes and be like, dude, I gotta, I gotta go spread the grass seed now. Like I, <laughs> we can, do it. I can chase you, but then we got to do this. And it's, it bums me out to have to do that. Um, yeah. Cause I really, I really would love to play like constantly, but at the same time, there's, you know, dinner's got to get done. This has got to get made. And I, I don't know that he understands that all the time. Yeah, that's that's hard because they're so young. They don't really have co- uh, the context around rule setting and why we have rules and the reason why we're doing those chores or whatever they are. So that's tough. I, I feel the same way because Ariel will be like, Daddy, come play with me in the playroom. And I'm like, well, I'm cooking right now and or I'm you know cleaning <laughs> up the backyard and I, I can't. But then I feel like such a bad guy because I'm not sitting there playing with her and she gets all mopey and it's, you know, baby girl like, you know, come on, Daddy, let's go play. And uh, it's so hard. So, yeah. Uh, Can we talk about dad guilt for a second? Because that is yes. like a real thing. Absolutely. <laughs> I have been experiencing that like mad and and it's, it's weird. It's a, it happens in multiple ways. Like you're, you have dad guilt for not playing when your kid wants you to play. And then there's dad guilt for like, I haven't had 10 minutes to myself for like days and I'm going to go take some. And then while enjoying like uh like while I'm playing a game, like I know you're, you're big into Warcraft. Like if I'm sitting down, I sit to play for a few minutes. I'm like, 
oh, there's so much else I could be doing right now. Yes. I really should go do this other job. <laughs> there is no free time. It's just guilt. That's what mm -hmm. I, I saw a friend of mine posted something on social media to that effect. Anytime that you're spending that's not doing a chore or with your family because, you know, they you want to spend time with them. If you just spend time by yourself, that is a guilt and you're, you know, you can't enjoy that time. I totally feel that. Um, and I, I used to not feel it as bad. I used to understand the need to get away from whatever the environment is now for some and this might be just because of covid and knowing in the back of my head what aria is dealing with and also that my wife is you know eight months pregnant and has very little energy to begin with uh right now you know what that kind of means to them so i end up feeling super bad about it but now like i i, I should if i were to listen to me a year ago if, you know, me a year ago, be like, dude, just go downstairs. Deanna will understand. It'll be fine. <laughs> but I can't. I can't. It's so hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there comes the evening. It's like, okay, what do I do tonight? Am I yeah. spending time with Stephanie, which is my wife's name, or am I am I going upstairs and playing games? And I'm, we both look at each other like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do now that he's asleep? Is it is it, are we are we going to hang out and watch something? Or are you just going to read a, a, you know, a, a thing on your phone? And I'm going to sit... How are we gonna play this evening? It's kind of weird. Right. It's like I wanna I wanna make sure like you're good if I just wanna sit up here and play yeah. a game or something. And and dude, Deanna, <laughs> like I don't I don't know um how Stephanie is, but you know, with Deanna, she's just like, dude, yeah, go go play. I just want to sit here and watch West Wing. Like that's all she wants to do right now because <laughs> she can't move. So she doesn't really so all she really can do is just kind of veg. And I'm such a busybody that she knows like, oh just it's fine, just go. So it's just a funny it's a funny situation we're in right now. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah. and, and thinking about Sam and where he is now, I mean, five years is that that's a lot has happened in five years. And let's rewind it five years ago, if not maybe a little bit more. <laughs> what was it like for you finding out that you were going to be a dad? Oh, finding out I was going to be a dad was the coolest thing. Like it was the coolest thing. We were we were extremely blessed in that it, it didn't take, you know, months or years. Like I know some people struggle with like it was right out of the gate. We were like, let's have a kid. And then it's like, hey, you're having a kid. Um, That was that was awesome. I wrote myself a note uh, the day I had it. And anybody who's thinking about becoming a dad out there, I'd recommend this. Day one, you find out, sit down with a piece of paper and write yourself a letter. Um, or just journal it because I wrote this journal and it's just full of of this whimsy of like all these hopes and dreams and ideas and thoughts. Uh, and I read that uh, sometimes I'll pull it out. I have it in a drawer nearby my desk. And like if I'm having a real struggle bus day, I'll be like, no, this is this is what I wanted. This mm -hmm. is what it was for. Um, and that that was it was so exciting. I mean, I was ready to tell everybody and we, we waited that 12 week period. You're supposed to wait. Um you know, before, before you tell everybody what's going on. And I remember being so excited to finally be like, ah, everyone, we're having yeah. a child. Player three has entered the game. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was super excited. Stephanie and I were both tickled and then like becomes the, the prep, you know, it's like, do we have the money? Should we save more money? How are we going to do this? What are we going to set? What room are we going to use? All those things start yeah. coming in. The stress builds, but initially like it was just, you know, you felt good. Yes. That initial, honeymoon phase is incredible yeah. it's such an incredible high and that's something that i'm guilty of i don't necessarily go back and actually i use the dad chronicle kind of as that that note to myself in the very beginning episodes where i talked about becoming a dad and, and what that meant to me but i haven't really gone back and listened to it uh for a couple like I, i've listened to them but like not really internalize it for that perspective and there's something to be said about what you what you were just talking about. We get wrapped up so much in the hectic day to day that we don't celebrate some some of how far we've come. And for a lot of us, it's that idea that, yeah, we became a dad or a parent if you're, you know, whatever your situation is. So I think that that's such a smart move, dude. Kudos on you. And so you were <laughs> really, really excited. What was it like holding him for the first time? Oh man. So that was, that's a story. Like we were, we were meant to, uh, we were hoping we'd have the most normal pregnancy ever. And we had a situation where, um, 
Steph had too much fluid in her in her system. Oh wow! Um, so like Sam was swimming around everywhere. They were like, we can't get a track on him. We're worried that if you were your water were to break naturally somewhere out there, he'd get. Uh, they kind of referred to it as like a drain plug getting pulled, and then mm. like the the cord could come out first, and that would be real real bad. So we ended up doing and getting induced. Uh, so we went in like we knew we were going to have our baby. We we're like, we're ready. Let's go do this. And it was the craziest like 48 hours of my life. I remember we just sat there. We took all this stuff. You, because I tell you to take all this stuff. Take a book, take crayons, take an exercise ball or like all these things. So we take all this stuff. We didn't use any of it. Like, I mean, Stephanie looked like she was just attached I don't, like out of a sci-fi movie. There were so many things going yes, everywhere. Right. Um, from just having like, they couldn't get Sam's heartbeat. So they had to put the, the, the um, heartbeat tester deal up in his, like in his scalp. I guess they put it up internally. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Cause he was floating around. They couldn't get a good, uh, a good steady heartbeat. So they did that. They probed him that way. Then, you know, there was different things going on. I think it, we were 24 hours before they finally said, Hey, we think we're going to go ahead and need to get him out of there because uh, this is not progressing. So they did a C-section. Um, and that was that was weird. I have a picture of me with these scrubs on. Like, I don't know what's going on. I hadn't <laughs> slept. Steph hadn't slept. So we're going into having a baby with a deficit, uh, a very a very severe sleep deficit. Oh. So by the time I see him for the first time, I'm like, I don't even know where I am. <laughs> I don't know what emotion to feel. Alex, I don't. I didn't cry for a week. Like you know, when you you hear people yes. have their kid, they're like, "Oh, I was a mess. I couldn't hold it together. All this stuff." Like I didn't have time to have that level of emotion. Wow, it was too much. It was too much processing. Like, okay, my wife's on the table. Her guts are out everywhere. <laughs> this nurse is like, "You need to love this thing." I'm like, "I need to take care of the two people in my life that mean the most to me right now," and right. I'm struggling to balance that. Like it was. It was right out of the gate. Um, the big, the craziest story about that is when they rolled you back and they're like, we're going to bathe your baby. Your wife's going to be back here in a second. We're going to take care of everything. Um, like it was the worst watching Steph who just had like invasive surgery laying on this bed next to me. Right. And then Sam crying, getting bathed over here. I'm like, my entire world is just in shambles right now. I don't, I know it was just, I was an absolute wreck. Now, not to scare anybody who wants to have a baby. We came out fine, but that, that was, I felt robbed, if that's fair to say. And I don't mean to take it into a, a yeah. deep, dark corner. No, I feel you. But I, yeah, I felt, I felt a little robbed of that moment, uh, that quiet moment where they just hand you your baby, put it on your wife, you get to, to take pictures or whatever. Like that, that just wasn't there. Um, but that being said, like the amount of family that rallied around us and helped us get through that little stay in the hospital while she was healing, checking, make sure nothing was getting infected. Everybody was safe. Um, like I had a, I had a baby and it was it was awesome. I'm like, this little kid's great. He cried a lot, but he was great. <laughs> yeah. And you see, that's where you're coming from, by the way. I totally understand. Not that we, you know, had to deal with that. We had it, it was a little tough in its own way because Arya came out with her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck like three times and that was scary in Ooh. itself she came out kind of blue and you know she, she she's fine everything's fine but that in itself was a little scary but we did have that moment of you know I was the first one to hold her because the doctor at that moment was like okay we have to get her out snip here here dad take the baby for a second I'm like holding her as like you know just all this chaos happened and you know i i likened it to you know in a, a movie where somebody is kind of out of it and all the muffled sound around them and there's nothing in clear audio sound and then all of a sudden they're like alex it like it like clicked in and i was like oh yeah. yes you know like that moment kind of happened for me uh but i i'm feeling lucky because we kind of had that quiet moment i held her handed her to deanna and that's got to be tough, man, I, from hearing what you just said. So, I mean, you said that you guys eventually kind of felt that. You said like a week later, perhaps, was it yeah. that, you, that you felt that? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was it was a struggle because Steph had uh, trouble feeding him to start with. Like wow. there was just I remember, man, the first the first night we get home with Sam, I had been adamant 
for months. I'm like, first night, we're at home with our baby. It's our chance to bond. I don't want like any extended family staying with us. I'm going to stay here by ourselves. We're going to take care of our kid. And that was probably the dumbest thing that I ever decided to do because mm. we, we got home and it was like Stephanie was struggling feeding him. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, I have to go get formula. We got to feed this kid because uh, we didn't have anything with us. So I race around to every Walgreens in town trying to find a 24 hour one. Mm. Uh, I wish I could say I was clear headed, knew like, oh, check Google Maps. But I don't remember what the Internet <laughs> looked like back then. That yeah, was five years yeah. ago. Yeah. Things move fast. Uh, so yeah, I, I remember going around trying to find it. We fed that little kid, brand new infant, three ounces of milk in like a minute and a half. Wow. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. And I think we had the, the wrong size nipple on the bottle. Oh, like, geez. <laughs> we nearly drowned that kid. And oh. he handled it. He took it. He, he was hungry. It, but I'm like, what if, what have I just done? So was, um, he, was he having trouble latching or what was, what was keeping him? It from was, feeding? yeah, it was a latching issue. Um, yeah. That we got stuff. resolved like the immediately after that, I called and left a message with a uh, um, I don't know what like they a call lactation them, basically trainers for yeah. breast uh, breastfeeding mothers. And I called and left her a message. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do if you could squeeze this in because it was a Thursday and I think their office was only open Monday through Friday. Right. It was Thursday night. So I'm like, if you could squeeze this in tomorrow, I would be just forever grateful. And she called me back the next morning. She's like, I have time at 130. Dad calls me in the middle of the night. I'm going to get you in. <laughs> mm. So we, we were able to get some help and get some understanding of like what to expect. We we just didn't. I think we just walked in so clueless, so clueless. I would I would prefer anyone who's, who's going to have a kid like I hate for this to be Stevens. Don't do anything I did show, but um, get like some some training, <laughs> like at least some uh, some long term. Here's here's what it looks like. Here's some things that could go wrong. Here's some ideas. There's um, nothing that's wrong something... with that. Yeah, because yeah. I think there's and that's a big reason why I do this show is that you learn so much. And by the way, like there's so much that you can listen to and digest and comprehend. And then you get thrown into the mix of it. And all of that goes out the window unless it follows the right recipe for it to matter contextually so for parents out there mm -hmm. listening who are thinking oh man like it, perhaps it is overwhelming because it is it is very yeah. overwhelming like i don't want to sugarcoat it but you hear what we're talking about here you know internalize it think about how you could put it into into context in your own situation so yeah i and i am not like i'm not a fear monger like i love i love having my kid i love other people but i also want to want people to know what i went through because oh, i don't absolutely. think i got the opportunity to share as much you you see so many people when they have kids on facebook and instagram and stuff it's like oh look how happy they are yeah. and you can look at the pictures of us like in that first that first few months going look how happy they are and we're like literally falling apart from the inside <laughs> like we're like we're dying um but it's it's smiling and uh and saying oh yeah look at the happy family they're so good oh yeah but uh, realizing yeah. that there was a lot of a lot of challenge that went into that and and coming out of that pregnancy into those very early weeks and months is especially challenging for uh for your wife uh coming out of that you know postpartum is depression and and some of the the postpartum challenges that occur um are really something that don't get talked about enough and one of the things that you and I spoke about was some of the challenges that you guys faced around that do you want to kind of elaborate and talk a bit about your experience with postpartum depression yeah, yeah and we can go in that. i mean obviously it's going to be from from my angle um which is the only unfortunate thing but like yeah we we didn't know much about what postpartum was i i didn't understand it i i thought that it was like it was always rejecting your child like there that was what i understood it to be it was like i have a baby and i don't know if i love it and i'm going to leave it in a basket somewhere and go to sleep um, that's not what happened. There's a bunch of, apparently a bunch of very different ways that this can play out. And with Steph, it was, uh, it was a lot of protecting Sam, even for me, like I'm, I'm his dad. I love him to death. I'm not going to do anything, but like this very guarded, um, posture. And we, we had her parents living with us for a time, which can be both helpful and very dis disruptive, um, so there were moments where she just wanted to feed Sam. She'd have to go upstairs to kind of be private because not to say her dad's like prudish or anything, but 
it was just like not she wasn't comfortable being sure. down in the same room like feeding a baby around her dad so she'd right. go upstairs into our room and where sam was having trouble feeding it took forever so she kind of felt very isolated um during that time and i'd go up and sit and we'd read little books together read to him and those were those were nice moments but like there was definitely I had I had my dad actually call me because he was worried about us because we seemed like we'd been off for a while. And he was like, is she OK? I was like, I don't know. And he's like, does she know who she is? Um, and I'm like, I I think she knows who she is. I think we're good. Like, it, it, the, you know, that sense of have I lost her in her her feeling somewhere in her brain somewhere? Is she messed up? Um, but like I want I, I wish we would have gotten some some help and some understanding that what we were going through wasn't normal uh, at that time. And we could have gotten more in line with it because months down the line, um, she went to see somebody just as a counselor and it all started to click. Like it all started to come out like, Oh snap, that was postpartum depression you were dealing with. And it led into depression outside of that. Like it, it was like a trigger that started this snowball of, of new things that we'd always been able to, I guess she'd always been able to bury um, right. or handle in her own way. And like, as we went on, it's like, Oh man, this is, this is actually bigger. And that was just a component of it. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a, that was a hard time, but we like, like I said, we came out of it uh, stronger with a greater understanding of what it means and a desire to help other people who have a kid. And they're just like, we don't know what we're doing or, yeah. and you want to be like, are you really okay? Like, talk to me. How are you doing? <laughs> You know, totally. really try to push um, yeah. to understand because some people are great. Some people really are. And then some people are like, I don't know if I'm if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And then you're like, OK, let's have a chat. Right. It really does take a village when a new life enters your family. I think that people don't take into consideration all the help that's needed, both physically and emotionally and really spiritually. Like if you think about a lot of what happens to like, like for your wife, for instance, she was drained. Uh, yeah. Everything was taken from her in that regard. Her body was, was given to be able to, you know, produce this child. Then she's also dealing with all the adverse effects of the hormones and the different things that are happening to her mindset. And uh, you know, I know, I know you, you guys are, spiritual and yeah. have a belief in God and, and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes when you're trying to ask God for help in those situations, sometimes you don't feel it like you want to. And then that creates some lack of clarity that you perhaps once had when you would call upon that. Um, just knowing that from personal experience. So that yeah, that's yeah. really, really tough. That's a tough situation to be in. How, how would you look back at that situation and perhaps how would you have handled it differently? I, I wish I could say that I would have had any sort of, of forethought. Like if I, if like you'd send me back there now and I can give myself advice, it would be like, get help sooner. Um, find a way to talk her into going to a place and, and having a counselor to discuss this stuff with yeah. or, or just, you know, just, I, it's it's such a it's such a difficult it situation because you back then it was like even if I told you I don't know that you would have been receptive to it yeah like it was I was I was staring at at someone I love deeply and being like I don't know how to help that's um, it's so hard I, now you you said one thing like you would go back and try to talk her into seeing somebody like and, and you kind of nailed it like what would you say like is there something yeah. that would have triggered her you think to be like moment of clarity or. Do you think that that was kind of a lost cause? I, I just don't know no, what the answer is. I think I think I would have had to just made the appointment and took her. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, like I think she's, yeah. she's wonderfully stubborn in some of the best ways. Oh, and so I would have just wife. been had yeah. like, I'm going to put you in the car. <laughs> We're going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that 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 probably would have had to happen. Mm. That's so tough. That now, how, how long, though, do you think it took for her to really kind of work her way out of that? It took a couple of years. Like we had, we had some 
some instances like when we finally got done breastfeeding we're like now we're gonna be great like after this because the hormones are just completely bonkers during that time yeah. and if you're really affected by hormones which a lot of us are you know it can really throw you into all kinds of different mental spaces so when we got off of that we're like okay now we're gonna start getting better and then she broke her knee uh oh, broke her no. kneecap in two while she was walking sam on a trail in our neighborhood oh. um yeah and then that was like yet another thing to have to to have to deal with so she's laid up you know has to have surgery then goes on these meds and we have to figure that out and that was that one was hard because it was a lot of pt you're like you're watching your i think sam was almost he was 16 months at the time i believe and we're like watching him run around and she can't chase him because she yeah. can't move you know like that was we went through this horrible season and it all happened to coincide with like sam's uh first years which left us with like a, a PTSD almost like neither of us really like going back there mm. in, in our minds. Like we're like looking at pictures like, oh, look at those people. They were disasters. <laughs> <laughs> They're smiling real big, but they were a mess. Dude. Uh, wow. Yeah. So so it took her a couple of years to really. Yeah, I could I could definitely appreciate that. Um Wow. So, so you guys, but you guys did really have a good support system. It sounded like your dad was checking in on you. Her parents were around. Uh, what, what sort of role would you recommend people play in that support system? Like if people were to be listening to this saying, okay, I, my friend is about to have a baby. How can I best support them? What would you recommend? Mow their lawn. Oh my oh, word. God, Just show great. up. Yes. Just show up out of nowhere and mow the lawn like I, there was some cases where i was disappointed in in some of the close the close friends or people we thought were really close to us that didn't show up and i think that i've heard other people say this like you'd be amazed at how many people want to be a part of your life when you're pregnant and disappear after your baby comes out yep um very true and i, I found that to be true like with some people we thought would be like just johnny on the spot and like they came by and held the baby you know sure but like I paid one of their kids to mow the lawn. I was like, I'm fine paying him. I just, sure. you know, maybe, maybe they should have just volunteered, you sure. know, while we're, we're going through all this, but like, and people showing up with, with food, like just take food to your friend. And sometimes it's going to be too much. Like might, might want to just ping them and be like, you already have like 18 people bringing you lasagna. Cause if you do, <laughs> I'm gonna do something different. I'm just gonna come over and do your laundry. How about that? Yeah. Like, there's so many people want to come over and hold your baby. Alex, that's what they want to do. They do they want to come over and they will be like, let me help you with the baby. And you want to be like, I don't need help with the baby. I yeah. need help with my laundry. <laughs> yes, I need I need your help to or, or you know, I, actually, one of my favorite things to get show up with a pack of diapers because you Dude. go through diapers so quick, so quick in those early years because, you know, they're pooping every two seconds and it all comes out all gross. You know, so you got yeah. to change of a diaper party. Have you ever done that? before? Yes. Yes. In fact, we did. And that lasted us a, a long time. And when I say a long time, like a couple weeks, but yeah. it was well worth it. If you are a brand new parent, you could totally get away with that. And what it is. Well, actually, why don't you take a moment and explain what it is? So a diaper party is usually done for the dads. D is for diaper. D is for dad or whatever. I don't know what the song is, but yeah. So you take. Take your, uh, you get a bunch of friends. Your friends throw a party for you. They play poker. You play Monopoly. Whatever your jam is, you sit around and drink beer. Everybody that comes to that party brings a box or more of diapers, yeah, varying sizes, so that you can take them home. And it's all, it's all for you and in good fun. Yep. And the <laughs> way that we did it was that our friends would bring the diapers, and then they had to write fun messages on the diapers so that like when we would have to change aria we would see something like look at the mess i made or <laughs> so something like real sarcastic that would just kind of bring our spirits up and uh and then they built like a like a diaper cake out of them it was so funny man it was so funny. <laughs> that's awesome we had we had such a blast with it um you know speaking of of our support systems and you talked about your dad i always like to visit you know what is it like for a dad raising a kid, thinking about how they were raised by their own father. What was it like in your childhood years with your own father? Well, when I was, when I was real small, like I, my, my dad was out a lot. He was like doing a lot of um, night shift kind of work. So I didn't see him a lot during the day cause he'd be sleeping and all that stuff. Um, 
but like I, I had a bunch of fun with my with my dad when we were we would hang out. Like my dad took me to movies. Um, he really, I think my dad really wanted me to be a cowboy. Like I think at the end of the day, like he would have given anything <laughs> if I would have stayed. Like if we wouldn't have moved into the city and we just stayed in the country and I rode horses and four wheelers all day, you know, and got into the same things he was into. Um, but like he he leaned in um, to what I ended up being interested in. And I think that's one of the things I try to remember for Sam, because we have such a tendency as dads to kind of want to remake ourselves in our own image. <laughs> you know, We oh, want to totally. we want to take what was given to us. Here's this here's this gift from God. Well, that's nice. I'm going to mold it into who I wish I was. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's that's such a dangerous place to go. It's it's natural. Because there's so many times I'm like, I want Sam, on, I want to put Sam on four wheelers. I want to get Sam out in the country. I want to get Sam playing on dirt. And, you know, Sam's Sam's more like me than I, I'm admitting that he is. Like, he's just really into Nintendo games. He kind of likes inside stuff. Um, he's played a lot more since he's we've been kind of forced to quarantine. So it's kind of, it's it's edged on his uh, his video game obsession. But uh, but that's what I did, man. I, I remember I got a Nintendo at four and that was my journey right there. Mm-hmm. It was like from that to computers to, you know, playing music and stuff my dad didn't do. Yeah. Um, but back to the the leaning in, like, I mean, at the same time, my dad would come home with a game sometimes. He'd be like, I went by and got this game for you because I thought you'd like it. So uh, cool. And we would, you know, we he would when I got into music, when I got into playing guitar, one of the things that changed my life uh is he helped me get it like he let he's like i'm gonna sell a four-wheeler and we're gonna buy you a guitar because you really want to play um as long as you're really gonna play because i was real obsessive and flaky i'd get into something for like two weeks and drop it (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i i ended up playing guitar and after i got good at that for a little while uh, i was talking about wanting to get a bigger amp and he went on eBay and found me like a, a Marshall head uh, for an amp and then a big 412 cabinet. Wow, um, that's super awesome. Th- that's, that's like, a, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And I'm like, what are we even doing? And he just did that because he felt like it was time, you know, for me to upgrade. I was in a band and we wanted to go play shows and uh, he helped out every step of that journey. Like every, we had a show hours away in Kentucky once. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to get there. I guess we're going to need to get a U-Haul trailer. He's like, yeah, we'll get a trailer. We'll load it up. We'll drive it down there with you. We'll get you all set up. Cause I was 17 at the time. Mm. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. Right. And, uh, and despite us not being that great of a band and him probably knowing it, like dove in and was just there. Um, and uh, like, he took me to a blink One Eighty Two concert. It was my favorite band in the whole world in high school. Love it. And, uh, he took me and like he even asked me, he's like, hey, can you burn me an Enema of the State CD so I can listen to it in my truck? <laughs> he was into country like it was so off the wall, but he took me to multiple shows. Um, just like if it was musical, he was in. And I, I I just I'm forever grateful for that with him. And that's one thing I want to bring to Sam is like whatever you find in your own journey, in your own life. I'm sure I'm going to influence it. I still rode horses and played rode four-wheelers with my dad. I still love that stuff, but only in the context of my dad. Um, like if I'm, if I'm by myself, I don't really want to go ride a, ride a horse, but if I'm with him, like that's, that's the greatest. Totally. Um, yeah. So I just want whatever Sam finds as he gets older, try to be cognizant of if he finds it and he loves it, that's what he loves. And lean into it if it's if if he just if he gets really into rc cars i'm naming all the stuff i think are pretty cool but like <laughs> if he gets into something that's completely off the wall that i was never expecting that i don't know anything about i'm really hoping that i will be self-aware enough to go let's dive in let teach me what can i do to help you make this the best i, I love hearing that your dad is so uh, supportive you know just hearing what you grew up with how he was checking in on you around the time that Sam was born, just his presence there is so awesome. Um, I, I love hearing that and hearing about your son, really finding a tendency to love all the things that that you're liking. And that's every dad's dream, certainly. And I think <laughs> approaching it from a, you know, a genuine place, I guess is a good way of saying it, is, is yeah. really important. I've got Aria into like she really likes watching me play video games, which I don't mind at all because I love playing video games. And she sure. she'll come down here to the studio and like, you know, we'll bust out my guitars. I'll hand her the ukulele and she'll just start playing. 
um, you know, playing. When I say playing, she's three. So she just kind of plucks the strings and it's great. So does Sam gravitate towards a specific instrument or is he just in the same sort of boat as Aria? Sam's Sam's ear for music is amazing. And oh, really? I'm trying to figure out how to properly get his attention on an instrument long enough to learn it. He can sing almost any song from any Kirby game that he's played. <laughs> like really? he's been really into Kirby Star Allies and and uh so a couple DS Kirby games. And I swear he will be like, he'll be like, Dad, you want to hear this song? D D D D D D and he'll just like go to town, note for note all the way to the end and wow. i'm like i need to harness this power i just oh, don't man. know he's so his attention span is so short um like we actually are pretty sure he has add based on mm. his his aunt has it and we're almost 100 percent sure that he does but i'm like we got to find a way to get you to focus on a on a, a tool like a, a piano or something he'll play on them and if you leave it out and just sit it out and turn it on he'll sometimes kind of come in the office and just kind of you know bang on the keys a little bit um he has been getting a little more creative with it, not just banging on them, but like tapping. Um, so I think what, once we're able to to confidently put him in lessons with someone, we're we're gonna do it because it's it. just I think I think that to to see that gift in in how his ears work and not apply it would just be a, a disaster. Be so sad. Now, if he wants to yeah. give up after a while, okay, right. Um, right. if he's just not into it, but I, I would be shocked if he wasn't, he loves yeah. singing those songs too much. And, me, and maybe he wouldn't be into it right now, but when he enters, uh, you know, middle school and high school and sees how all the, all the other kids think he's so cool. Cause he can play guitar. That might change things. You know, I know it did. I know it did <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It did for you. You said, Oh yeah, totally. I, I played guitar. I started playing guitar in high school and, and everything like that. And, and it was like, my gateway into oh uh look at that guy let's give him attention and then here we are so that's just it was so much fun <laughs> and i think that i think everybody has a has a natural tendency to kind of want that in some cases and if you're naturally good at music man like it sounds like this kid is oh he'll harness it i have no doubt that's super cool um yeah. i feel like you and i are cut from the same cloth in that respect oh, i, I totally. was the same way i'm like oh people look at me when i play guitar oh, this totally is, this is great <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, another just speaking of cut from the same cloth, you know, he's he's really into video games and stuff. Uh he really likes Kirby games. How are you approaching the topic of video games with him? Just kind of knowing the typical, stereotypical uh video games cause kids to be stupid and violent. Uh what what sort of <laughs> ways are you starting to approach that conversation with him? I definitely as a as a kid who was goofing around in Grand Theft Auto 3 when I was like 13, 14, I am the least violent human being on the planet. Uh, so I don't as prescribe to that necessarily. I do right. like ensure whatever he's playing is definitely age appropriate. I, I'm very aware as a gamer that there's stuff that he shouldn't play, there's stuff that he should play. I think the thing that I'd just go back and forth on is time spent playing. Yes. Um Gosh, I wrestle with that because I know what I did as a kid. My parents were so free with me um, for better or for worse. They're just like, well, this is what he likes. So we'll just too. let him do it. Yeah. Um, but and I came out mind, fine. Yeah. In the back of your mind, though, you're like, oh, I shouldn't spend four hours playing this game. That's not reasonable. Yeah. Go outside. Yeah, you immediately turn into an angry <laughs> old man. You're like, boy, don't just you're just playing video games all day. Go outside. Right. Um. And I do that like, but it's, it's some of that's just for exposure. Like when, when I had kids, you know, I lived, I was incredibly blessed to live in neighborhoods with friends who would come over, bang on the door and get me outside. Um, I was very easy to, to push around be like, let's go outside instead of playing this. Um, and I, I would, but he doesn't have that where the kids are basically non-existent in our universe right now. Right. I have to try to be that person and I'm the dad. So if I'm like, let's go outside. He's like, I don't want to, I'm doing this. Yeah. So it's a lot harder. Yeah, that is that is tough. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't hit that yet with Arya. I mean, she'll she'll come down. She'll be like, "Oh, let's play Mario. Let's play Mario," or because she likes watching me play Super Smash Brothers, for instance. And that's cartoony enough of a fighting game where it doesn't really you know matter that they're violently hitting each other. So like, yeah. we'll we'll play that. And she <laughs> and honestly, the mo the thing that she likes most about that is the beginning intro song on the like the, that little intro oh, uh, yeah. cinematic thing. She loves it and she'll sing it and it's great. Uh, but 
you know, at the same time, like we could sit there and play and play and she'll just keep wanting to watch and say, okay, look, let's go upstairs or something. <laughs> so I don't know. We got We got to figure that, that piece out, but it's not, it sounds to me like you are involving Sam in all the things I give all the blessings on all the things that he's going into. I think that's awesome because uh, I'm, I'm personally into all that stuff and I can hope my, uh, my son also gets into that stuff when he's born. Oh yeah. Your son's going to be so great. I'm so I'm looking, you're going to, you're going to love it. I mean, I've been that little girl, so I don't know what, what little girls are like, but I know <sighs> little boys are a, uh, an absolute mess, but in the best way. Oh yeah. And that, that's what everybody says. Having a girl, man, it's like, Oh, it's the best thing in the world because when when <laughs> I see her and she goes, "Daddy," you know, like that that little voice that she has, and she comes running and gives me a big hug and she starts talking about how mommy did her hair and how she loves the way her hair looks and wants me to come and color with her and like all the little exciting like you know sit there and do a tea party. It's great. It's great. Yeah. I love it. If you so can much. get your son to color for any length of time, let me know how you did it. <laughs> oh well, that's, that's Aria that's a struggle. Aria does it, and I don't. I honestly don't know what it is, and she just she just sits and does it. There is no there is no co- coaxing. The only thing maybe was that like we get the the stuff she's into like Frozen, so like she'll be coloring Olaf for like thirty minutes, and she really likes Olaf, so she'll sit and look at that picture and want to make it really nice. But that uh, I I don't necessarily have a recipe for success. In that <laughs> I don't think anybody does no. like Sam. Sam's whole thing is dressing up in costume. And man, if a costume doesn't look exactly like it's supposed to. Oh, man. Really? Lose it. Oh, he's yeah. A, yeah. He's a cosplayer right there, man. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I mean, we've we've got him Spider-Man costume, Captain America costume. Like we went through the whole Marvel movie, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe with him. And he loved all that for a while. Oh, and now he wants obscure characters. It's like really? I was saying, he's into Kirby. It's like the bad guy in Kirby is King DDD. He's a yeah. penguin. Yeah. Hat. Like Sam has this like his robe and this thing his mom colored to make it look like the belt. And it all had to be exactly, at least within a certain, you know, there's some fuzziness to it, but it has to be pretty much accurate. Too funny, man. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, it'll be really interesting <laughs> to see how that blossoms and evolves into more things. Because if he already has an appreciation for the aesthetic of that sort of thing, cosplays totally in his future like and and the video games and how he gets into all that so that that's super that's super cool dude well this yeah. um th- this has been so fun kind of talking to you about all the ways that uh that you are just killing it as a dad um first of all <laughs> i think it's super fun um but you know i always like to end the show on some words of wisdom so whatever you know you're you're thinking about perhaps a Steven, let's say, uh, you know, before he became a dad and as he was aspiring to become a father, perhaps, or somebody out there that might appreciate where you've been in this journey, what sort of words of wisdom would you leave? I would tell folks to, to take that parenting book that you bought, read it, kind of consider it, and then throw it in the trash. Because <laughs> it's like... It's always somebody's opinion about what worked for them or what they've seen work for other people. And I promise you, you're going to be so much better off if you go with your gut and your kid. You're going to know your kid better than anyone knows your kid, including the doctors in the books. And I'm not trying to shut down every book. There's always lots of nuggets in them that are useful. But no kid in the history of the planet has ever acted exactly like they were supposed to (laughs) the quicker you can forgive yourself for that the the better amen that's why i am dreading the second kid for that specific reason not that i'm dreading it you know (laughs) that's a strong word but Uh, yeah sure i know you know it's like oh this 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 worked great we got the the playbook down with aria that works (laughs) with aria it will not work with the next one (laughs) so but it's a very good point man that's why i said earlier in this show it's like you hear everything that we're saying, take it with a grain of salt because your experience may vary. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's tough. Well, uh, Steve, I, you, well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you are a podcaster. You have content out there on the internet. You're streaming on Twitch. Why don't you talk about some of the projects that you're involved with? Let people know how they can uh, consume what you're doing. 
Yeah, sure. Like you can find all the stuff that we do at the the Two Dorks Crew. Uh, we, we call ourselves the Legion of Dorks, uh, and we you can find us at legionofdorks.com. All the links to the shows, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, and Staring at Goats. And uh, one thing I've been promoting recently is we're doing a charity stream late November. We haven't decided on a date yet, uh, but we always do a charity stream every year for Toys for Tots. Uh, so if you could follow twitch.tv slash two dorks TV, uh, watch us watch you hang out when we go live. We'll have all those notifications of when we're going to be doing that stream uh, to support toys for tots. And we also have a book out um, at two dorks.net slash book. It's an anthology of monster stories that all the proceeds from that book go to toys for tots as well. It's just a short stories written by us and some friends and published in real life by an actual publisher. Cool. Um and that's that's a great deal. We're doing another one this year. We'll have another anthology released, and then an opportunity if you're a writer to join in with us on our our third anthology series, all with all those proceeds going to the Toys for Tots Foundation. Ooh, very cool. Well, I'll make sure to put. I'm going to put a link to all that stuff in the show notes so that people can watch and uh, and take a look at all that stuff. So, uh, again, our guest has been Stephen Adams. Thanks so much for sharing your story, man. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Big thanks again to Stephen Adams for sharing his story on today's episode. It's one of tenacity, and it's also one of a tremendous amount of love and patience. If you think about everything that he endured as a father in this situation, really trying to keep his wife and child safe during that chaos, yeah, he definitely sacrificed perhaps that honeymoon phase of having a child, uh, but I think that his tenacity during those moments really shines through. So major kudos to him. A lot to unpack and think about, especially for myself, as we are quickly approaching the birth of my son, and I'm very much going to be reflecting further back on this conversation for sure. And if you'd like to chime in and provide any thoughts or perspectives, feel free to do so. Please email the dad chronicle podcast at gmail.com. And as you heard at the top of the show, we have a brand new Patreon site up. If you head over to patreon.com slash Alex Albisu, find a reward level that works for you to support this show. Even $1 a month helps a ton. Big shout out to Matthew McChesney, who's one of our newest Patreon subscribers. Big thanks to him for helping to provide some financial support to this show. So if you want to be a patron like Matthew, feel free to subscribe to the patron level at your choice over at patreon.com slash Alex Albisu and get some cool swag out of it too. Got some cool merch up there for the Dad Chronicle. So take a look at that. And again, if you'd like to reach out to the show, you can do so by emailing the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. Our website is the Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.